Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, December 29th, 2018. This is our final podcast of 2018. Thank God. And what a year it's been. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy, Happy Hanukkah. Year. Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. We uh, we were unofficial caterers for most of our Christmas. <laughs> yes. As you might have heard, we did a, a commentary track on uh, Die Hard. Yes. So I hope you all enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a comment from one of our listeners that said... Um, I haven't watched Die Hard since I was a kid, but now I feel like I want to go watch it again. And I was like, how is that possible? <laughs> um, because I watch Die Hard all the time. But if you haven't watched Die Hard, you should. Yeah, so check the uh, the Podbean site. Uh, if you want to check that out and, and watch uh, the movie along with our commentary, because why why wouldn't you want to do that? Uh, especially <laughs> the highlight is when Rachel has a few too many glasses of wine and starts calling John McClane John McCain. <laughs> so there's that. Yep. Uh, and yep, and in any event, uh, yeah, <laughs> in any event, we, uh, we're going to do a little year of review, re- year in review recap thing. Kind of, sort of, maybe well, not really. I mean, we're going to miss so many things and uh, I don't know. We're just going to talk about like stuff that we remember that matters to us, I think. Cause like <laughs> it should matter to you too. If it matters to us, then well, I, you know, every you. single week of this year. We do this podcast and we say, oh, my God, we're never going to get to everything. Right. There's there's so much that happened this week. There's so much. So I'm not going to try to do 52 weeks of that in 90 minutes (laughs) because it would be impossible. Yeah. Well, let's start with some current events. Okay. And uh, the government is still shut down. Yep. And that is going to last at least until. Uh, the new uh, Congress is in session, which, of course, the Democrats will control the House. Uh, Trump is doubling and tripling and quadrupling down. And I am never, never opening the government again until I get my five billion for my wall uh, that Mexico is paying for, but not paying for but whatever. And the latest news from inside the the the, the White House, the closest uh his closest people are like this. They think it's great and everybody's going to love this shutdown. And I don't know if that's bluster or posturing or, or what, but this is this is kind of how it's going to go down, right? Um, the Republicans could have, uh, <laughs> in theory, Paul Ryan and McConnell could have gotten together and said, F it, we're going to take a stand against Trump right now and open the government and force him to veto a clean CR, which would have passed both chambers and yep. we knew that back when Trump said he was going to sign it and then he changed his mind the last minute because Ann Coulter yelled at him um, and that didn't happen and then we have shut down so what's going to happen is this Nancy Pelosi is going to basically get a clean CR passed um, within the first 10 minutes maybe mm-hmm. of the new Congress yep. and then it's going to go to the Senate and then it's up to Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, is McConnell going to go ahead and force, just put it on the president's desk and say, well, you threatened you'd veto it, go ahead. We, we probably have the votes, the votes to override you. I don't think he's going to do that. I, don't, I just don't think he's got the balls to do that. I don't. So he's just going to let the government be shut down yeah. indefinitely. Yes, until Trump figures out what he wants 
and and ex, and and says it explicitly, and they have a, a starting point for real negotiations. Uh, what what Republicans are trying to do is drive a wedge between Schumer and Pelosi, and that ain't gonna work. I don't think they're on separate pages at all. I think that's no. that's wishful thinking. I mean, thinking. I think <laughs> they're no, <clears throat> no. The, the, what they're gambling is. Uh, Democrats actually care about the working people, and so they're not going to allow the shutdown to happen, and they'll do anything to stop it. Well, that's part of it, but also that if McConnell says no, and Schumer will get antsy and be like, well, we have to make a deal. And then in the Senate, um, they'll come back and they'll they'll reject a CR, or they'll, they'll go to congressional Republicans and say, let's, let's, let's make a deal, let's negotiate something so that we don't completely lose face. Uh, but the problem is, yeah, I don't see McConnell waging open war on Trump day one of 2019. <laughs> why would he do that? I mean, I it, no, I know why he would do that if he actually wanted to govern and not, you right. know, deep six his party. But right. uh, I think they're going to die on whatever hill Trump tells him to die on. I haven't seen any evidence to the contrary. Yeah, once in a while they'll. Like it makes no sense to me, right? It, it's it's maddening and and bewildering. Um, but but I, I think you're right. For whatever reason, they're like, Ugh. okay. If if they were to do that, if Trump still now a lot of people think Trump will just back down or will say some crap that say, well, we're we're I found this other magic pot of money that I'm going to build the wall with, and it has to do with NAFTA. So I'm getting my wall, and Mexico actually paid for it. Ha ha! I win. Which will be ridiculous, of course, but um, so a lot of people think he'll do that. But here's the problem: <laughs> if 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 Pelosi passes a clean CR, sends it over to the Senate, and McConnell goes, "Okay, what do you want me to do?" and Trump says, "If you if you pa- if you if the Senate passes a clean CR, I'm just going to veto it," then you're waging open war on the White House. And is the so? Is McConnell going to wage open war on the White House? I mean, we haven't really seen much action out of either bodies of Congress since the election, um, the midterm. And so I don't know. I mean, I think it's possible that Republicans are like, oh, no, we were we were wrong. People really do not like him. And this is bad. And it's looking really bad for us. But I, I don't. I mean, they never do that. They I just they I just go down like, with the ship again why? and again and again and again and again I mean, and again. I know, and I think that's what they're going to do. And I I don't understand it. Like I, my logical brain just doesn't get it. Just doesn't understand it Be- because, at all. Because at the end of the day, Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter don't really give a shit who is in control of government. No. In fact, they, they they tend to do much better when it's an Obama, yes, <laughs> or or somebody like that, or yeah. Bill Clinton. Um, Republicans do best when they don't have to govern. Yeah. When they have to govern, they don't really know how to do that. That's not really a part of the game plan. So, you know, if if this thing does blow up and they get creamed in 2020 and lose every branch of government, that's great business for the for the right wing talking head of sphere. (laughs) It's great. Right. Then all the scared people that that Obama's going to come take their guns or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi's going to be the next president. Yeah, because right. Robert Mueller's going to have a wish her. hunt and 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 take down the president and the right. vice she's president. Speaker, so she's third in line. She's right? third in yeah. line. That's this is the thing people forget. Right? It used to be Paul Ryan was third in line. It was just terrifying. <laughs> Think about it from the right. Nancy Pelosi, if Mueller's investigation takes down Donald Trump and Mike Pence. It's not like 
somebody else on their team gets a shot. The way the Constitution is written is that the Speaker of the House is the third in line of the presidency, and that will be Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine the riots that would happen? Yeah, so... If Trump gets removed and Pence and indicted and all the things, and our next president is Nancy <laughs> Pelosi... It's not, not going to happen. But. Right? I mean, but think about it. Like, I don't know if that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not going to You think happen. Pence is not wrapped up in the Russia stuff? Uh, not as much as the Trump as the Trump family, no. He's peripherally not enough to be indicted or – yeah, no. I, I don't think so. I think he, he lied and fudged enough things that he's a gross, horrible scumbag, but not, not enough to – not enough to throw him behind bars unless there's more information we don't know about, which of course is I'm not is even possible. talking about throwing him behind bars. I'm just saying like – Impeach you know, him? Yeah. He's not like – A Republican Senate is going to remove Mike Pence from office? Yeah, I don't think so. But in any event, um, the point was Limbaugh and Coulter, well, they scream, you have to vote Republican, you have to vote Republican. If if they're going to you know, push an agenda that's actually going to completely destroy their party politically, that's fine with them. Oh, they, yeah, they don't care. They do fine either way. They're like those— They don't give a shit about Republican politics. They don't care. They care about— What's best for my pocketbook? Yeah, they're the hedge fund managers, right? Yeah. Like if you if you lose all your money or if you make a shitload of money, they they're good either way. They don't actually have like principle, right? No, of course not. They don't care. They just know what their base wants to hear, their listenership, their audience. Yeah, they're grifters. Um just yeah, absolutely. Plain and simple. And the Republicans listen to them for reasons that again, I'm bewildered. Uh, by. They they listen to them because um, their base and their voters and their donors all listen to them. And if you run afoul of them, you piss those people off, something fierce. So you don't piss them off. And it has absolutely nothing to do with anything other than money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Kind of like, who cares at this point? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens a little over a week. Um, I, I... refuse to be- I don't believe in a million years that McConnell is going to call Trump's bluff if Trump says I will veto uh, this clean CR I so don't buy what? it uh, so then then Chuck and Nancy <laughs> corner Trump again and may and get him to make a horrible deal because fi- he'll probably start feeling the pressure at that point maybe does he doesn't care about pressure really I mean I guess they could cut if they're smart, right? They're not going to come to him with like any sort of plea of this is bad. Mm-hmm. They're going to come to him with some sort of this makes you look bad. You, yeah. Or th- th- do this and make yourself look good. Would make you look good. Here's what will make people love you. We'll give you. That's we'll, all you have to say we'll, to him. We'll actually give you 2.5 million because that was floated earlier this week that uh, there was like whispers that like he'll actually take 2.5 billion. It's like okay, 2.5 billion and in exchange for DACA protection or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds like a lot of money to us, but in the grand scheme of the budget, between 5 billion or 1.6 billion or 2.5 billion is isn't all that much. And with the logistics, the wall might not ever get built anyway. So you know, I think it's bad politics on our side mm-hmm. to pay for the fucking wall. Yeah. I think any amount of money to pay for the fucking wall is bad politics. Yeah. Um, I think the ads run themselves, right, in 2020 about how um, 
Well, it depends how long it goes. If this ends in a week, then I think most people will forget it. If it's one of those... It ends in a week and there starts to be a border wall that gets built. Um, I think it's really bad politics for Democrats to agree to pay for any amount of a border wall because we don't want a fucking border wall. Well, what, but what if what if it's an exchange for quite a bit of good? Okay, well then Democrats are going to have to learn how to message. Which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's that's problematic right? no matter how you slice so, it. No matter uh, what happens, uh, that's a let's problem. Let's say we get the dreamers are protected and we get, um, you know, not murdering children in um, or letting children die in camps. Uh, I, don't, I mean, well, the, how much do you need to get to build a wall? Well, this is why I'm excited about some of the young guns and faces yes. like AOC. Yes. And, and Nancy Pelosi is very smart. And I think AOC is very smart, too. I do, too. We don't know yet, but I, that's the sense I get. And she, what, what she's hopefully doing is being like, look, I, I'm going to do all the political shit behind the scenes that you poo-poo publicly and what makes you really popular and you be the voice. And sometimes if that means taking a crap on me, that's fine. Mm-hmm. This is Pelosi speaking. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. Pelosi speaking. That, mm-hmm. That's fine. You do that. Um, and you know, but be you, the voice of the Democrats because for yes, fuck's sake, we need one. But we need one, and we. And, need, but see, sometimes, <laughs> as much as I love Nancy, sometimes she fucks that up badly too. I know. Um, and and hopefully, maybe she's learned at this point, like the messaging to a point, and and we have to help the young leaders take control of that because they're better at it, frankly, and we yeah. suck at it, and people like them, and they don't like us. So let people like them, and let and let them. Be the the message piece, right? The, no, I think the, the Nancy's smart piece. enough to understand that. I think that I, I, I think some other old hats maybe aren't. Right. Well, what what the fuck with Claire McCaskill being like? I don't understand why AOC is the thing right now. Well, who cares? She's out. She's but, out the but door why, anyway. Why? Why on her way out the door does she shit on the new? Crowd because she's one of those old school. Well, I don't know why people like her so much. I don't know why anyone likes any of them so much. It's just, <laughs> but, but I don't get why they're the it thing. It's like oh well, bye. Well, Kay thinks bye. They didn't lose by double digits. Fucking bye, Felicia. To a to a horrible grifter who wants to take away everybody's insurance in Missouri. So maybe, maybe some of that young maybe your finger's dynamism. not quite on the pulse. No, maybe you just got maybe? your ass kicked and helped cost us the Senate <laughs> mm-hmm. by being a typical milk toast. Nineteen <laughs> nineties. Um, yeah. And, and and it didn't Democrat. work. No, it didn't and, work. And, and not not that and not that worked? turning into a flaming liberal would have worked, but your act sure didn't. So nope. I don't want to hear it. We don't need you anymore. Well, we could have used her in the Senate, yes, instead of Holly. But you know, I, no, I don't really care what McCaskill has to say about the the new young. It's uh, just so weird. It's a weird thing to go out on. Like she's not shitting on the president or <laughs> Republicans. She's shitting on. The people who are better than her at her job, like the people who are new. I mean, I guess this is a thing we always do, right? Like generationally, we love to shit on the people below us. It's a hobby. It's American pastime. We don't. Right. I don't. But it's an American pastime. It's Uh, akin to like baseball and apple pie is shitting on the generation below you and making them seem awful because they're better than you. And that makes you angry and scared 
I mean, I and so <laughs> the boomers shit on the Gen Xers, and the, the boomers, boomers shit, on, shit on millennials, and 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 we should just shit back, just fucking fling poo like a monkey back at them, because fuck them. Um, well, we should shit on the boomers. They're I mean, they're, they're the cause of all this. They are, they are, right? Yes. But so, yeah, no, it's <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> How much they fucked the rest of us and then still for just a minute um, have the sort of like, you know, bandwidth and and people listen to them to say like, well, those millennials with their avocado toast Um, and those, you know, Gen Xers. She's so young. What does she know? Okay, well, she won an unprecedented primary. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that being 28. She's 29 now, I think. Is a bad thing to be in government as much as it is to be like 80. Yeah, it doesn't mean we should hand her all the keys to the kingdom. She needs to learn the ropes, certainly. And I'm not saying we agree with everything she says and does um, to this point. But I mean, that fuck all that. Fuck all that. Do you agree with everything anyone that is in Congress for 50 years has said and done? (laughs) <laughs> we, no. Can not, you name a person no, that you no, do? Not even Barney Frank and no. Uh, yeah, no. No. And the eighty-year-old white dudes sitting up there with all their experience, we there. We should kowtow to them, but we should be wary of her. No, I'm, I'm, no. I'm just saying we're not sycophants about it. We're, we're, you know, we're definitely going to put her in the same critical light as everybody else. Everybody else, of course. Yeah. And also, give them. Some credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. It's not just AOC, right? It's all of these new people that came in. Yeah, there's a this lot what of. We were, you know, you and I have been yelling and screaming on this podcast for three years about elect people you like, elect people that you feel passionately about, yeah, elect yeah. progressives, and yes. then we did it. So let's let them do something, and let's not start out with like, well, you don't know, like fuck that. I let's think be th- excited and let them <laughs> do something. I think and the problem is we're nervous because there's so much at stake. You know, this isn't some whatever election when things are relatively normal and sane in the world. Like, like they have to do so much more than be effective. They have to save the fucking republic, which is a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility. And I can't think of any group of people more that I would trust more to do that than this group. I agree. And I'm so glad it's this group to do it because I think otherwise we would be fucked. Yeah. Like this is the group that could maybe do it. Mm-hmm. If it's possible, this is the group. It's yeah. not a bunch of inverse, a version of this group, a bunch of old white guys making backroom deals. I don't want that. I want this group to do it. And if there's any group to do it, it's this group. Yeah. So let's let them do it. So and there's going to be hiccups along the way and yeah. weird shit's going to happen. And like, okay, it's fine. Let's just not hold them to a higher. This is what happens, right? With women and minorities. Mm-hmm. People hold them to why you have to be twice as good. To get half the credit. Yeah. To no. hold them to the same standard that you hold your old crusty white dude who's been in there for 40 years. What has he done? Hold <laughs> them to the same standard you hold everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with all of that. Um, for sure. Uh, and then this past uh, this past couple of weeks, not much new on the Mueller front. No. L- little dribs and drabs. I think that 
Um, maybe some of them went and, and spent some time with their families. I think that's finally. fair. That's fair. <laughs> and then I think starting next week, that is all going to come back full force. Yeah. And I think hell is going to start to rain down. Yeah. And I think, you know, as much ways. as like the investigation is not political and it's not um, held timelines, I think there's some cognizance about like, okay, it's the holidays, right? Like, <laughs> maybe let's not like make everyone kill their families while we're you know let's just take a minute no i don't think it was that and i, I, I think I, there's a little bit of like all right you want to go see your mom and you want to go see your kids and like let's take a minute and also give like them one do last we really nice need christmas to like they... indict the president's son on christmas eve no oh, we don't need to do God, that we can, that. can just we can just <laughs> not do that, that so and we much. can do it on january 2nd that's what we can do it, he yeah. can, he can, it's January 2nd is a better day than December 24th. I don't know. That, and that's okay. That's all going to happen January 2nd. But now the QAnon people and all their deadlines have came and gone without everything. Now they're, they're, they're very excited that January 2nd is when the 7,000 sealed indictments or 70,000 or something like that are all going to, we're all going to get oh, uh, thrown in prison for child this. trafficking oh, okay. or something. So. Oh, good. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. January yes. 2nd. So. Okay. Keep your eye on that. So Hillary's going to jail on January 2nd? Uh, Hillary's already <laughs> gone to jail and she's wearing an ankle monitor. Oh, right. That's why her blouse why her, is, or is her no, pants. No, her pant or, leg is a, a bulgy. Bulgy, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool I mean, cool, she cool. usually wears, you know, tapered jeans or... <laughs> she wears pantsuits. I don't... I'm not going <laughs> to dignify this with any time. Okay. Um. Okay, so... So let's get to, you want to get to our year in review then? I do, I think. Okay. Um, Where do we start? I'm going to start with... Tide Pods? Some commentary. Okay. My inbox has been flooded with various newsletters and, you know, shit, right? It's Mm -hmm. all the year of the woman, 2018. And it irks me. Every time. And I've been trying to examine why that is, right? Like, why does that, <clears throat> every time I get one of those emails, why is it like, oh, shut up? <laughs> or like, ugh, like, ugh, right? Okay. It feels really paternalistic. It feels really like, mm. well, ladies, we let you have this one, you know? Like this, like, year of the woman is like this way of saying like well we let you guys talk this year and boy did you do some good things pat on the (laughs) head right and it's like fuck you you don't no it's not the year of the fuck you well remember women it was that back in 92 after the the clarence thomas hearings as well and a lot of new mm, women got so so what's the difference sort of between then and now that we know the parallels Right. Um, or is that the same thing? Right. It, it, that's what I think. That's why it irks me. Is like, okay. you, you don't just get to give us a year every twenty years, right? Like, <laughs> that's not what this is. Sure. This isn't the year of the woman. This okay. isn't like, oh well, you ladies sure did good job there this year. Oh man, <laughs> you made some, you made some changes, and we listened to you. Like, stop it. Yeah. This isn't the year of the woman. This is the fucking reckoning of the patriarchy at its beginning. It's the Reformation. Yeah. I hope so. It's not. This isn't. Oh, well, we had a good year, ladies. I guess you can go back and make pies now. (laughs) 
right? No, this isn't that. It's not, it's, it feels like putting it, it, it feels very much like somebody being like, okay, well, we had that year and that was good and now we're going to go back to normal. Like, let's stop doing that because we did that. We well, did the woman thing. We already did the woman thing. We're done with the woman thing. Can we go back to normal now? I We're done. That Remember 2018 was the year of the woman. Well, we can, did the woman. Can we expand? Now we're done. Can we expand on that? Um, I, I hope you're right, of course, but I think we were having similar conversations back in 1992. And then what happened? There was all this pushback specifically at Hillary Clinton for not minding her P's and Q's and being a regular first lady. And there was a push against feminism and there was, you know, there was this, this pushback. So how do we avoid that again? I guess is my question. Well, I think that's the really interesting conversation that a lot of men have been having about, um, the changes that have been coming. Uh And a lot of men have been saying things like, you know, eventually with this me too stuff, there's going to be blowback. There's going to be, there's going to be a thing. There's, there's going to be something because there, this is, this is not things that, I hear a lot of women that I know talking about. This is a thing that I hear a lot of men talking about, which is it's going to go too far at some point. And, and, and there's going to be blowback. And, and then, you know, you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. And it's just it's going to be bad. And I, I think maybe it reflects back to the 90s when, you know, Lewinsky happened and mm-hmm. um, people were more mad at her than they were at anyone else. And they vilified her more than anyone else. Um I think looking back to the 90s is not, we're not there. Okay. We're not there, right? It's fair. In the same way that the 90s weren't the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so this is not that. <laughs> this is not, oh, the president got a blowjob, so like, let's whore, and then we move on. Like, I think the year of the woman is offensive because it's like, this is not the year of the woman. This is... Finally, there's becoming a reckoning of the violence and the 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 patriarchy, right? That's being ex- that's being exposed. But also, it's not like an indiv- It's not like an you know Anita Hill is one thing, and then that's done. It's 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 a continuum. Yes, absolutely. Right. But, but my question is, how do we keep it going then? Because what you had this year was this, a record number of women and young women and women of color and LGBTQ women and, and all this, these di- this diverse group mm-hmm. of women getting involved in the political process and running for office and being politically active and winning elections and, and winning. And that, I guess that's my and question. And ousting men from power. And maybe this is me being a naive man, but you know, my worry is with, with this needs to be constant and every year and every year there's a new crop of these women. And every two years when we have uh, elections and midterms, there has to be that same energy and intensity. It can't just be when a Trump comes into office or a Kavanaugh gets put up in the spotlight like it, it, it that has to be a continuum. And so how do we uh, not that we have the answers to that, but like I think that's uh, the wrong question. OK, I think it, that's the wrong question. I think. It's not that I, I think that's framing it wrong, right? So okay. I think definitely the election of Donald Trump was a wake up call for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. A lot of nice white ladies who really didn't think about politics, right? Were like, holy shit, the pussy grabber, right? And the pussy hats and all mm-hmm. the things. Like, this yeah. is a thing for sure. 
But what happened really didn't start this year. It started in 2017 and it's become um, a snowball. Yeah. And it's getting bigger. Mm -hmm. And we saw the effects of it in this election. Sure. Sure. And with things like Kavanaugh, it's not like the women just went home and then Kavanaugh came about and they were like, oh, no, again, we have to do something. I think the election of Donald Trump and the the women's march and the um, rise of political activism among women made it possible for women who were not politically engaged and for women who were to recognize, oh, there's a lot of us and we all kind of have something in common and and we can do things. So you think there's some permanence to it? I do. And I okay. think I think that's true because of the election, right? Like all of these women from the most like diverse set of women to ever hold office ever, it would be historic if one of those women had won. Yeah. And we have so many of them that we don't even remember all of their names because there are so many. Yeah. In Native like women and Kansas lesbian women and, and trans women yeah. and black women. And and I mean, it, it's extraordinary, right, in this way. And it's not just because, like, women woke up on Election Day and were like, I'm mad at Donald Trump. I guess I'll vote. Like, this is a movement that mm-hmm. happened. And I think it was I do think it was sparked by his election because I think it made a lot of women go, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And then turn to women that they knew were kind of always yelling about this stuff. And this has happened in my life. Sure, absolutely. Like a lot of the women that I know that I've been yelling and screaming at who wouldn't listen came to me in 2016, and they're like, oh my God, what's happening? Holy shit, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, this is what I've been yelling about for years. And they're like, I I know, but I thought you were just being hyperbolic. And I'm like, (laughs) well, look at the president for fuck's sake, right? Yeah. And it awakened something in, I think, a lot of people. And it allowed us to kind of cross those lines that hadn't previously been able to be crossed. Mm -hmm. And so when stuff like Brett Kavanaugh happened and you saw this extraordinary explosion of like women, that was the network that was created post-election in 2016, right? That was that pre-existing sort of network of women who were already mad. And then something like this happens and it's like, oh, no, fuck you, right? You do not get to do that. And I think it just gets bigger. I don't think it's, I don't think, that's why I don't like this year of the woman thing. It's like, oh, well, I guess we're done now. We had our year. But back to my my point, if you're old enough to to remember that history, that unfortunately, that is kind of what happened in the 90s. No, it's not. What happened in the 90s? Um, About 20 women got elected. And what else? And I think there was this feeling certainly with Clarence Thomas, that, wow, well, that was crazy and that that can't happen again. And now there's something even And worse. if you look at the difference in what happened in the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings yeah. and what happened in the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, and if you look at the coverage of the two, what an extraordinary difference. The amount of pushback, the amount of negative coverage, the amount of media coverage not vilifying Christine Blasey Ford, the amount of public, like, solidarity with her mm-hmm. and anger at him and anger at Lindsey Graham and anger at these men, right? As opposed to Anita Hill, who was just sort of swept under the rug and people, like, women got mad, but there wasn't 
a solidarity with anybody else. It was just women got mad that that happened to her. And like, that was kind of it. Like Brett Kavanaugh, yeah. I think it, it's not good. We didn't win. Yeah. I mean, but we won more. We, we got better. It's better. Okay. Looking at the two, right? Looking at the two, the pushback, the media attention, the media coverage, the way that people feel about Brett Kavanaugh versus Clarence Thomas, mm-hmm. I think, is markedly different. And we can look back at Anita Hill today and talk about her as though she's Christine Blasey Ford. But in reality, at the time, that was not at all how she was portrayed in the media. No. And even as a kid, I found it all very confusing. I was a teenager and I wanted to understand better but it was it was the way it was framed yeah. it was really hard to get a handle on it yeah and what i what i kept hearing from all this is not like right wing and left wing and there wasn't like fox versus right. msnbc back right. then what i heard from everywhere is she this can't be this can't be true this can't be true, this can't be true. sure she seems credible and professional but how can this be? How can this? How can this guy, this well-revered sounds... professor and judge? But how he wouldn't do that? How and, and and like it's not like me saying that or my dad. It was like the nightly news people yeah. and the panels. And it was the... just sort of like mm, doesn't seem like someone of his stature would do something like that. Yeah, they are, it's just so gross. How that that stuff doesn't it just really seems happen. outrageous. Yeah, not no. a judge. Sure, mm. sure, your gross auto mechanic or right the the construction worker. But but a judge, a judge, no, no, and, no. and like that that was the feeling, and it was very confusing because I'm watching this lady, and remember I'm a 16 year old boy, so I have more you know testosterone and idiocy flowing through my veins than blood, and I'm I'm watching her and I'm thinking, why would why would she make this up? You can't make it so specific. <laughs> it's like put a pubic care on my coke can, and then eventually it kind of morphed like. Okay, maybe there's some truth to that, but who who cares? Whatever. Okay, so she he said long dawn silver and put pubic hair in her coke. Big deal. It's not like he raped her. Whatever. Right. Let's move on. Right. And right. You know, and and then everybody kind of did move on. They did. Um, not everybody, obviously, but mm-hmm. enough people did. And I guess from my perspective, just being a dude, like I'm a little traumatized that that wasn't revolutionary. That that moment. Well, it did change people and wake people up and, and it started this sort of underground movement. Like everything should have burned down at that point. And it didn't. And and I guess I'm sort of traumatized by that. Why didn't you burn it down? <laughs> I, I, Why I, didn't you and all of the men burn it down? Yeah. No, we, we just we were kind of just scratching our heads. Oh, well, he's gross. Yeah, I know a guy like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, pretty much. Right. Right. And so the women got mad, right? Mm. I mean, we're always mad. That's just the way it is. Um, and they tried to do a thing and it sort of worked for a minute. Um, and then, I mean. Well, so here's another question. And we're really getting into the weeds on this because that's what we do on our show. Yeah. But did did the Clinton Lewinsky thing sort of from a, just a political standpoint, to turn everything on its head. Because the Republicans, they owned Clarence Thomas, right? I'm, yeah. But yeah. not just the Republicans. you got to look at what Biden did. But you got to think and, about, well, that's the other thing, though. Like, just backing up for a second. 
Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearing is not without consequence, right? Agreed. Joe Biden, for example, basically fundamentally, politically, I don't know if personally, but politically changed his entire political animal of who he was. Yeah. Because he got so much shit for how she was treated, for how the hearings turned out, for the lack of, the, the you know, when everything came out about, like, all these women who were going to come testify and they wouldn't let them and yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah, sure. And Joe Biden had to own that. And he, ever since then, and I don't know if this is because he actually changed or because he's a political animal and just decided it was better for his image. A little of both, maybe. But I don't really care what his reason was. Mm-hmm. Became a fierce advocate for women. Right. Like violence against women act. That's a Joe Biden thing. Yes. That just expired, by the way. Yeah. Um, a fierce reproductive rights advocate like that. Anita Hill hearing has had ripple effects. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. But I want to get back to the present a little bit. The House, the Democratic House is going to pass a lot of bills, a lot of really yes. good bills. Yes. And they're going to yes. put it on Mitch McConnell's doorstep. Yep. And he's going to shit. He's going to wipe his ass with most of them. Yes. But maybe not all of them. But we, we really have to up the pressure on our senators. Yes. To do the right thing. Yes. Because a lot and of look, important a lot stuff. of our senators were not up for re-election in 2018, mm-hmm. but they are up for re-election in 2020. Our right. So Corey Gardner. For right. So a lot of the senators that you're really pissed at that you couldn't unelect. Right. You couldn't kick out of office in 2018. And you were really frustrated by that. All those people are up in 2020. Yes. So this is the time when like you should always call your house members because they're up every two years. But this is the time to call those senators that you fucking hate. (laughs) And you're just like Cory Gardner. You're just like so mad for the last five years. Right. And then you're like, no, this is the time. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yeah. So if Cory Gardner wants to vote no on the Violence Against Women Act reauthorization. Let's have a conversation about that. Absolutely. Right? Because this is not 2017 where it's like, well, he's in for three more years. He's he's running for re-election starting now. Yeah. He shouldn't. He should just fucking retire. But he's an idiot. Um, and he's going to lose badly. But we should make sure that's true. Right? All of those people. They vote against the Violence Against Women Act. Let's have a protest outside their office. Days in advance, right? Agreed uh, wholeheartedly. But anyway, so this was a good topic. I'm glad we dove into this and swam around in it a little bit. And I'm glad, you know, that there's a, you can bring that kind of perspective that maybe I don't understand fully. Yeah. I don't grasp as well as you do. It's different. It, 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 it. Totally is different. It's different. I mean, it just is different. This is different. I can't, I can't internalize that stuff the way you can naturally. Because because right. I haven't lived it. You live it every day. Every day, yeah. Um, what else as far as the year in review? We talked about the year of the woman and how those blurbs piss you off, which I, I hadn't even thought about that until you you mentioned it that way, and and then that made me think like, yeah, okay, that, that's a that's an important point. Yeah. So what uh, what else should we talk about in our year in <laughs> review? We got like five minutes before the break. Um, the kids, man. The Parkland kids. All the kids. They did so good. They they're did. Just, they're just so good. That, that's I just why love them. I, was I love really, all the kids. I love them too. And I just want to say I was heartbroken early 
on uh, midterm night because of Florida. Um, yeah. And it turned out not to be a harbinger of the rest of the night, but a, a, an isolated island of, sh- of crappy. It's Florida, for fuck's sake. It's Florida, but you would have thought that, you know, those kids and all their energy would have would have moved the needle enough to get Florida over the but hump, look, and it didn't. But, but look at what it did do, though. Yeah, it didn't discourage them. That's the, I was more discouraged than them. Look, but the, it's not like... They did all of this and nothing happened. No, I agree. But they just, got so yeah. fucking close, closer than at any point in recent history to getting everything. Mm-hmm. And it didn't quite make it, but that's not nothing. No, it that's isn't. not nothing. That is monumental in terms of of what we are used to mm-hmm. and what the numbers were. And they didn't quite make it over the line. We didn't quite get there. But Jesus, that's not even like a competitive anything. And they got it up to like almost a recap. Like they did, they had a monumental effect on the 2018 election mm-hmm. in Florida and I think nationwide. I agree. And those kids, those Parkland kids, <sighs> allowed for, for example, in our state of Colorado, um, one of the. Um, Victims of the Aurora theater shooting. His dad was elected. Yes. To our state house, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I think house, not Senate, right? And his entire platform was, I'm the father of a mass shooting victim. And I would like gun change, gun control, right? Change in Colorado, mm-hmm. which we are notoriously against yes we you know uh pass it and then people get like uh, recalled recalled and and it's a whole thing i I don't think that would happen today he went door to door in a pretty conservative district and said this is who i am this is my story this is what i want to do and he was elected when he should not have been yeah right and that is not that is in part because what a great guy he is and and what a good job he did at campaigning and canvassing and also has to do with those fucking kids. Changed the n- narrative entirely. Mm-hmm. Changed the narrative from the NRA's control and, and really like lock hold on this issue. Mm-hmm. And gun control was always that like fourth rail, like social security. You can't talk about it. You can't do anything about it. It's, it's, it's bad. And this year, I think, has proven that that's wrong. Yeah. And these kids, 16, 17, 18 years old, just flipped the country over and said, fuck you, no. And everyone was like, oh, and they're still working. They're oh, working every day. I think they're right. Like, what are you going to say to this kid who was involved in a school shooting who's like, I don't want that anymore? You're going to be like, too bad? Like, some people did. But a lot of people who were on the fence or like, well, gun control is a little slippery slope. Were like, I mean, look at these kids, though. And they were smart and they were, you know, savvy and social media smart. And like, not just smart, but like they they were there. And they stood up and said, I don't want to do this. I don't want anyone else to have to do it. And it worked in ways that like we don't necessarily see on a national level, but even in our home state worked. And this man is going to go to our state Congress and he's going to propose a bill. And we voted blue because blue wave mm-hmm. and it's going to pass. And Jared Polis is going to sign it and we're going to have gun control in Colorado. And that's going to be the end of it. And it's not in it's in no small part because partly of these Parkland kids. These high school kids. Right? Yeah. That's amazing. 
I would, I would totally agree with that. And, and I think like you, like this is not going to be a, a phase that they're going to no. get bored and find no. something else to do. And, um, you know, now they are politically active and they will continue yes. to be and they are future. I also heard that Emma Gonzalez, um, may run for office at mm-hmm. some point, but also they may open, a uh, essentially a lobbying, a consulting firm now that they're adults. They, which they absolutely how should. How cool is that? They Come lobbyists should. at yeah. 18. But what better? I mean, get paid for that shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They should. Absolutely. And they'll be effective. So we're going to take a break. We're going to get back to the year in review. We're going to cover as much as we can. And uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. back to our irreverent testimony end of 2018 spectacular now some tap dancing <laughs> uh what, what do we got what do you got in our variety show what do i got yeah or is it up to me yeah well let's talk about uh bob Mueller and the russia investigation yeah so i i think the media has the narrative horribly wrong um, in that we're still like, well, we're still waiting to see. And this thing has gone on so long and we still haven't found proof of anything and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, his campaign manager is in prison. His lawyer <laughs> is going to prison. T- two, three, four of his closest campaign advisors are, are have gone to prison or are pleading guilty or are awaiting sentencing. no. Right. No, imagine like, (laughs) oh God, I hate to do this, but I always have to, to remind people. Like, imagine Obama is entering his second year and David Axelrod is going to prison and his main lawyer is going to prison. And like, like who are some of his top aides and advisors for the campaign? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Like, imagine all these people are going... To prison for all manner of things. What would we be talking about? What would we, what would be happening? Where would our mindset be? You wouldn't be like, oh, we're just waiting for the shoe to drop and see if this 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 was worth it, if it meant anything. Like, <sighs> I know. I mean, if twenty seventeen was the year of everyone just fucking freaked out and cried and was terrified and didn't know what to do and sort of as we worked through that year started to like steal ourselves for this is the world (laughs) yeah 2018 has been the year of like okay so here we are and this is what's happening and it's 
I think we're all trying not to normalize it, but also like it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so. Oh, the the president's lawyer is in jail. I mean, you know, his campaign advisor, his campaign manager, like. Yeah, that's where we are. That's yeah. where we are, is that that this is the world that we live in. And so when you wake up in the morning and you hear a new thing, you're like, OK. Moving forward one step along the way, because this is where we are. And there's and, no and time for crying and, and feeling bad for ourselves. It's just stealing ourselves and just being like, OK, what next? But we do have to take a step back and, and think about like. This isn't normal. <laughs> this is terrible. And. It's all coming to it's crashing down every day, but there isn't like a crashing point, right? Well, let's talk about the normalization of this president, because it's hard for us to wrap our head around heads around. It's impossible for the the media who covers the White House to wrap their heads around. And Which for the they, most part, a lot of them have been doing for decades. Right. Yes, but not, there's never been a president like this. Right. So for the most part, they don't really try to do it accurately. They're just like, he's the president, so we got to cover him like the president. I know. And I think that that has slightly begun to change this year. Uh, not like, enough. No, no, I agree. Even completely, the other day when completely. he was stir crazy in the White House and hopped on a plane and went to Iraq right. for a photo op, they, they couldn't try to normalize it fast enough. Right. And then when they when there was a little more digging done, it realized like, oh, actually, this was a huge fiasco. Yes. Um, and, and so they, they really refuse. They still refuse to cover what it is, the the calamity and the catastrophe and the threat it is, because look, people they, didn't, like they, didn't, us. they didn't teach us how to do that. We were no. here to cover the president. And, I've been covering the president for 20 years. I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to do that and cover this president. Exactly. I don't know how to do that. And and, whether, and I can't. And I'm failing at it. Yeah. Whether it's North Korea, which we've covered, or the tariffs, which is an ongoing uh, predicament, or, um, you know, his international policy, which they try to make sense of, which doesn't make any sense, or the fact that he can't get anybody to join the White House staff and he can't find a chief of staff. I mean, he, everyone's gone. It's like... I think he has what... What I've read something the other day that says the one person, one or two people are left from two years ago. Yeah, and Nikki Haley's like on her way out, mm-hmm. and the other one I forget. Like other than his kids, and now like the president has no chief of staff. The president has no nothing. I mean, it's just it's it's. And there's tons of ambassadorships that are not filled, and you know, just rank and file. Uh, uh, government bureaucrat jobs, which are not filled. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not normal, but no. th- they have to try to cover it as being normal. Or they have to, yeah. I mean, they're not equipped. They have to find a way they're to They're not equipped it. to do this because this was never supposed to happen. But they, it, it also strikes me as odd that they want the story to be, oh, he's, he's now he's becoming like a normal president. And every time there's what they think is a glimmer of that, they, they jump on it and jump up and down about it and pound yeah. us over the head with it. Yeah. And of course, within a few hours, it proves to be bunk because he does or says something completely crazy that blows it out of the water. But why, why do they right. want this guy to be a normal president? Because so they want the world to be okay. 
I no, I think it's more than that. I, I think they love the story of the brash reality mm-hmm. show tycoon guy actually becoming a competent president. I think they just love that the idea of that so much they're gonna try to ram that square peg into the Maybe round some hole of them till the end. I think that's wrong in some ways. I think that it's a reaction I think the what we know is that like white people hate being uncomfortable more than they hate anything on earth. It's not just white people though. No, it's... but hold on. Okay. Right? White people hate being uncomfortable. You can do almost anything to a white person, but don't make them uncomfortable. No, don't make no. them feel uncomfortable. That's the worst possible state of being for a white person. Yeah, like the Mystery Science Theater video I mean, we saw about no ugh, heavy talk at the dinner table. I mean, right, just yeah. never, no no discomfort <laughs> yeah. against anything else, right? Everything is pleasant and how nice it's the doilies gonna are. It's going to be fine and, and everything's yeah. going to be fine. Everything is yeah. fine and it's going to be fine and we don't need to worry about things. It's going to be fine. We don't need to bring up unpleasant Unpleasant trees are not good. And pleasantries are not welcome here. We don't need that. And if there are unpleasant trees, we will just wash them away yes. with the dishes. Sweep them under the rug. Just don't worry about it. Right. And I think that's a lot of what the press is doing is like, we can't say that because it's going to make people feel so uncomfortable. It's going to make people panicky. It's going to make people like we can't. How do we report on this that doesn't make people feel like what it is? Because it's going to be it's going to make people feel really bad. And I think there's some like some like you know paternalistic stuff going on with like let's does it maybe he's become presidential or it's probably not that bad and we don't want to call him a liar because that's mean so we'll just say he had some inaccuracies in his statements and we don't want to say that you know he lied about that so we'll just say well you know it's different facts and, and right yeah it's like. <laughs> gymnastics of the brain to try to make this person seem like a president because he is the president. But they can't stop. But they can't stop doing it. And instead of just being like, all right, guys, this is fucked. And a little bit of that has come out, I think, in the last just couple of months of like, you just see like news anchors saying shit that's just like, well, this is crazy. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like there's no, I can't, I don't know how to spin this. I don't know how to spin that the president's lawyer is going to jail I don't uh, for paying off a porn. I don't I don't know how to spin this anymore. Yeah. I can't. So there's a little bit of that, I think, coming. Not enough. And I not nearly enough. And I don't not giving them excuses. And I think it's abhorrent and a danger to our democracy. But I think that's part of where it comes from. It's just like, I can't say that you can't say that about the president. And it's like, well, you're you're not saying that about the president. You're saying what the you're president reporting said. What's happening? Yeah. You, you're just saying what he said or what he did. Yeah. That's your job. And it's uncomfortable that he didn't said that, but you have to report exactly that and not. But we also think maybe. No, I don't need that. I just need you to tell me what exactly what happened, mm-hmm. and not try to sugarcoat it because I'm not a kid. Well, uh, let's talk also now about the crisis at the border. Uh, it, it, which is only a crisis because of White House policy. Yes. Uh, of separating kids and yes, denying. Yes, the year of putting immigrant children in camps. Two of which recently have died. died. And actually, Trump is on Twitter today blaming those deaths on Democrats for some reason. Mm-hmm. Which obviously did aren't going to Kristen buy. Nielsen. Yeah. Well, it's the fault of the Democrats because. If they didn't think that we had open borders, they wouldn't come here. And so if they come here, they knew the risk, she said. 
Right. That's not going to fly, obviously. Cool. So then you put them in a camp and they kill their kid. Their kid dies in your care. In your care. That's and what we're, that's what we're that's, talking about here. Yeah. We're not talking about kids that, that died on, along the journey. Although there are many of them. There, there are many of them, and that goes underreported, certainly. We're talking about kids that died in your custody, in Correct. the custody of your agency. Yes. So if you want to blame Nancy Pelosi for that, go ahead. Your idiot sycophants will buy it. Most of the American public will not. And, right. And there still will need to be an answer for that because guess what? The Democratic House of Representatives is going to haul you up before a committee oh and God. ask you a lot of questions. Okay. So if and 2018 – And if you want to be there and, and point your finger at the people who are asking the questions and blame them, go ahead. Go and ahead see and plays. see how that fucking They're going to be better prepared than you with some facts. And – you know, if 2018 was the most frustrating year in terms of like, just why isn't anyone doing anything, right? All of this stuff is happening and we yell at the media as we should, but like the biggest frustration for me for the last two years is why isn't anyone doing anything? Like we mm-hmm. all are watching this and we're all going, this is fucked and no one's doing anything. I think 2019 is the year of, oh God, there's going to be so many hearings. <laughs> I mean, there needs to be. you just gave the House of representatives back to the democrats in a time when this shit is fucked and they are going to finally finally people right. be like all right well, here's the- my list of shit like if you yeah. think this year in review is incomplete the list of hearings that the house of representatives is going to have about what's happened for the past two years will be exhaustive well there and there's all this pearl clutching too now like well the democrats can't just go after trump and the republicans no they definitely can they have to (laughs) fix things well that's that's the idea is in order to fix things that's kind of what we have to do right there's big messes to clean up sunlight is the greatest disinfectant as they say yes we have to see what the fuck happened I mean, so much of the frustration is like, well, this person says, but we don't really know. And this, we didn't really talk about this and we didn't really investigate this. And we don't really want to talk about that. Fuck that. They're going to bring to light everything that needs to be brought to light so that we know what happened, so that we know what needs fixing and who needs firing and who needs jailing and who mm-hmm. needs whatever. In addition to things like the fuck's going on at the border. Yeah. Right. What the fuck's going on in the criminal justice system? What the fuck's going on everywhere? And so I think it's going to be. A good a good year in in that sense that we'll have some people that will actually ask some questions that all of us have wanted answered for quite some time. Yeah, I agree. What else? We what's next on the list in terms of stuff that happened in 2018 that's noteworthy and took a lot of our attention? I mean, we we talked about Kavanaugh a little bit. Did did we want to jump back into that at all, or have we kind I mean, of covered everything I there's to say about that? That was such a giant part of this year. Yeah, you know. Um, and then his little song and dance the other day. What song and dance? Oh, we talked about it, I think, a couple weeks ago, about um, his vote to not hear the Planned Parenthood thing. Right? Oh, right. And being like, right. oh, see, I don't hate women. Um, I don't know if it was as much him as like Susan Collins jumping up and down. And well, I mean, he made the vote, so. right? He was a vote on the right side of women um, for for one vote, and there's going to be so many more that are coming right, up. Right, right. But that was his like little homage to like, see, you can't hate me. I'm not. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, Maybe I don't know what the point would. But be. But stuff's still coming out about that. Like there was this. Oh yeah, uh, no, the media got bored of it, but but there's still things to be covered. Yeah. I mean, Vanity Fair just did this piece that I'm still in the middle of about 
um, Georgetown prep Mm -hmm. and the sort of culture of just violence and rape um, and its acceptance and its sort of expected uh, that is really um, having to read it in chunks because it's just horrifying. It's everything that you already knew. Right. But like laid bare, it's hard to read. Yeah. um, And hard to digest. Yeah. And in that way, I think, I was looking at some of the Facebook posts I had earlier this year before everything really blew up. Um, when it sort of started to the Me Too thing is happening, but like we still didn't have a lot of language for it. And it, there really has been like a, a seismic shift in how we talk about sexual assault and sexual harassment and victims and women and like just going through like the year is mm-hmm. like oh man good work was done yeah you know how we talk about things now versus how we talked about things even a year ago or two years ago are significantly different in a really positive way and there's so much more to unfold the the uh and women did that you know Mm-hmm. And it it cost a lot of us a lot. And it we tore ourselves open and exposed ourselves to trauma and and, and revisiting trauma and, and, and there's gonna showing be the so world much, trauma. So much more of it. The Harvey Weinstein trial is coming up in a, you know, soon. And so there's that. And there were going to be more Me Too cases, certainly. Uh, just the other day was uh, Kevin Spacey. Um, right. So he was actually charged, charged with sexual assault. Yeah. And there's a video. Mm-hmm. And then he made a video. And then he tried to make a... Frank Underwood. A Frank Underwood. Cooking video about how he's... It was horrifying. It was and really strange. It's worse than strange. It was stupid and... So much... Just, all of the white male privilege that exists in the world is contained in this one video of like, yeah, yeah, I'm this famous person and I played this character that you really liked. And so I'm going to make this video and put it on the internet to make you like me again, because I am absolutely a garbage rapist, but I'm Kevin Spacey. And you can, um, you can sort of imagine like his publicist or somebody saying, look, we need to, we need to get the public back on your side. Like, how do we do that? Well, What's we, your most beloved character? Frank Underwood. Yeah, and we, we do that with a funny, ironic video, and it just made, made everything so much worse. Like, the decision to do that was just baffling. But in any event, uh, there was that, and there's going to be a lot more Me Too reckoning in 2019, and there's going to be other names and other people, and some of them Well, are... and I think, you know, I was talking about this last night. The thing that I think... I take away from all of this is how shocking it is. I think for many women, how shocking this was for many men that like, Oh, y'all didn't know. <laughs> right. right? It, it's, it was the, the shock factor. I think is something that we had to reckon with this, this disparate, understanding of what women's lives look like between women and between men. When Me Too happened, I mean, all the women were like, yeah, of course, Me Too. And then all of the men were like, 
why are all the women saying that something bad happened to them? What's going on? What is happening? This can't be true. This mm-hmm. can't be a thing. This can't be a thing that all of the women in my life have experienced. That can't be. Wait, what? It is? How? What? Right? And well, we were all just yeah. like, well, I mean. And there's still plenty of people of in denial about that. Plenty of people we know and we're close to are in denial about that. Yeah. And then, like, the Brett Kavanaugh stuff was, like, people were like, that's that's cannot possibly be a thing that happened. That's shocking. And it's like, did you ever go to college? Like, High school? We, we had a, a frat that was shut down. SAE, right? right Sigma state. Alpha yeah. uh, Epsilon or whatever the fuck. But it, we just called it sexual assault expected. And every year, some brave woman would go um, graffiti on the front of their door and on their lion that sat in the front of their door, rapists. Mm-hmm. Because they were, and they knew it, and they finally got shut down one year after um, a girl um, was drunk and raped, and then passed out. Probably passed out while she was raped. I don't know. Nobody knows. Um, but they didn't want to deal with her, so they stuffed her in a closet, and she died of alcohol poisoning. Jesus. Uh, they found her the next day, half clothed, um, in the closet, crumpled up, dead, and. They were like, maybe it's time to shut down this frat that everyone calls sexual assault expected. So when I read stuff about Kavanaugh and like people are like, that's outrageous. How could that happen? It's like, where, where, where world do you live in where you think that doesn't happen? Yeah. Right? And when you tell your daughters, don't go to frat parties, why? Finish the sentence. Um... Why don't why don't why shouldn't I go might, to frat parties? Because why? I wouldn't want you fraternizing with boys. Why? Because of this. Right. Because boys do things like this. Yeah. Right? So it's not shocking to me. No, but the frustrating part is those same fathers will turn around and tell you, oh, this Me Too thing is overblown. Yes. And we can't ruin these boys' lives. Right. So they want to they have play both sides of it. Men aren't so bad. Yeah. I don't want my daughter ever to be around one. <laughs> Without my supervision, but... But I'm men sure are fine. fine. Men are fine. Don't worry about them, except if you're you, and then you should worry about them all the time. Yeah. Why? Right. No, that is a that is a really good point and an important point. And anyway, the Me Too thing is it's a, it is also a continuum. And it's yes. not like in a couple of years we're going to be like, well, Me Too changed everything, and now there's no more sexual assaults or men in power yeah. using abusing their power. Yeah. Like this will be an ongoing thing forever. It's going to get hopefully tougher to the get away with. The thing is that with. it's always been a thing that's been ongoing. Yes. It's sort of like the next topic I'm going to bring up. Which is white ladies calling the cops. Oh, that this was a big one in 2018. But like big one. both of these things. So my comment about it being shocking that it's shocking to men that these things happen mm-hmm. is identical to how black people feel about what we're going to talk about next. Yes. Because they're like, why is this shocking to you that this happens? This has always been happening. But now there are camera phones. And a meme. So this was the year of Barbecue Becky and Permit Patty and all of the uh, white ladies calling the Paula police. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And not just ladies. Sometimes there's men, but it's usually ladies, the ones it's, that are captured. In the, one, in the media recently, it's mostly been white ladies, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Who like to call the police to report that black people exist. <laughs> yes. Yes. Literally. That's it. There's a black person... Waiting Near by their me. car. I don't know. There's a black person. They might be cooking something. There's one sitting at a Starbucks, for example. Yeah. 
There's one knocking on a door. Knocking on a, there's one unpacking um packing their luggage from their Airbnb. They must be stealing from that house. Yes. There's one, you know, um there's a black child selling lemonade without a permit. There there's black people existing around me and I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is as we've covered the state that white people can never be in is, is uncomfortable. Yeah. For whatever reason. And in this case, it's black people exist around me, and I think it's suspicious. There's a student sleeping on a couch in the couch sleeping area in my college, but they're black, so call the police. Yeah. There's a, I mean, countless at this point. Now, here's an amazing lesson in, um, in white privilege, because this, this started happening... Let's just take 2018 as a microcosm. The first few months of 2018, there were, I don't know, 50 of these. And the thinking was, okay, now that like these people are shamed on Facebook and shamed on Twitter, and some of them wind up losing their jobs, and some of them, you know, actually the cops went back to for filing a false report. Not often. No. But sometimes. And As should always happen. Right. And these people are being ostracized with their communities, and you figure, okay, these people are going to learn that you can't do this shit. Right. But, but no, no, nope. Nope. they can't nope. stop. They can't stop they, they, because the thing to understand is that they legitimately, because of their implicit bias, they legitimately feel like they're in danger because a black person exists around them. Yeah. That's a danger. They don't, they don't think about, the they don't think like, about barbecue Becky. Yeah. They think, oh my God, there's a black person over there. I should call the police because that's scary and they're <laughs> scared. And so they do. And here's the thing that's amazing to me is, as you said, like they didn't learn from the seven million internet videos that have been put out, but <laughs> that like black people are actually allowed to just exist in the world. Yeah. Yeah. They're allowed to be contractors. They're allowed to cut their lawns. They're allowed to sit in a Starbucks, even if. Get an Airbnb. Yeah. Have a barbecue, lemonade, right? I mean, live life as a human. Yeah. They can, they can do that. And and they can do it in a neighborhood where that's mostly white people. Yeah, they are. They're allowed to do that's that. That's perfectly too. fine. Actually, <laughs> don't have segregation anymore by law. Yeah, we still have segregation, obviously. Sure, but it's not yeah. legally codified anymore, so it's not actually illegal for a black person person to have a barbecue no. in your neighborhood. No. It's not actually illegal. Um, the thing they think that like we should really take home about this is how. Um, violent an act it is to call the police on a black person or any yeah, person of ex- color. Explain that again for our audience who may be just thinking like, well, they Isn't got, it in- obnoxious they got inconvenienced, but no, it can be so much more than inconvenience. It's an act of violence yeah. to call law enforcement when really anyone's around, but especially for black people. Because that encounter, while you're just like, I want these riffraff off my lawn, can end in police sanctioned murder and more often than not that's exactly what happens there's a little kid playing in a park with a bb gun Mm -hmm. cops show up and shoot the fucking kid without ever talking to him because a white person called the cops or there's a guy sitting in their car and Mm -hmm. they reach in their glove compartment to get their license and the cops think they're reaching for a gun even though the cop said get your license yeah Mm -hmm. so calling the police is always a bad idea. And calling the police when there are black people nearby is a violent a- 
is a violent act, and if you do it, I hate you, and you are a traitor to mankind. Because doing so, while you may feel uncomfortable, or you may feel in danger, likely you're not, and even if you're in slight danger, calling the police could end in fatality and for that black person. That's just the reality of the world we live in. So, don't call the cops ever, and especially don't call the cops if black people are present. You know, and I think part of that is a product of, in the age of everybody being afraid that terrorism and ISIS is going to blow things up, there's been the big campaign of see something, say right. something, and with school shootings too, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And white people have taken that as... I should always call the cops all the time. All the time. And, oh, well, here's here's a person who I don't think lives in my neighborhood. I'm seeing something. And it is implicit bias. I don't think yes. they're even calculating. Well, some no. of the time they're probably just flat out racist. But Most of the, of the time, time it's like, this seems suspicious. I've never seen this person before, and I don't know who they are. And, and it's because it's they're black. It's because they're black. <laughs> yeah. And, and they live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Right. And it's not like my mom, right, is one of those people who might do that because she like comes down to Denver. We go shopping at a grocery store and she's like, God, it's just so diverse here. <laughs> just makes me nervous. And I was like, why? What makes you nervous? We're just at a grocery store. And she's like, it's just so diverse. I'm like, oh, right. Mm. There are black and brown people in the grocery store. I, yes. I, okay. and openly gay and trans queer yes. people. Yes. In the grocery store. Yeah. Makes you nervous. Why are you nervous? Well, because she's been convinced that like, if things don't seem, if something doesn't seem like you, then it must be suspicious. Right. Right. Yeah. So call the police. It's always okay to call the police according to the police. And I'm telling you, it's <laughs> never okay to call the police. Well, that that's the other part that drives me crazy. You think of the cops at one point would get sick of being called on somebody sitting in a Starbucks or somebody mowing their own yard or, you know. Yeah, they love it. Having a barbecue in a park. They love it. That, they can't all love it. Right? They can't all. Some of them have to be like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And, so, and very, very rare occasions they do. They're like, why did you call us out? This is ridiculous. But nine times out of ten, they're like, okay, somebody well. gets arrested. And guess who it is? The black person ordering a coffee. Or even if they don't get arrested, I don't think it's a nine times out of ten to get, but they get harassed at least. They, but they are the suspect. Yes. They're not the victim. Which they should be. The victim Mm -hmm. is the person who called the police. Remember this, too. When you call the police, you're automatically the victim, even if you're the person doing violence. And so whoever's around you is the suspect, regardless of what they did or didn't do. Mm -hmm. And if that person is a person of color, it's a seriously dangerous situation for that person. Yeah. Even ordering a coffee or having a barbecue. Or sitting in their car. Yeah. So, white people, let's make 2019 the year where we don't call the cops, ever. <laughs> ever. I mean, For any reason. If your house is actually being robbed, or a crazy person is actually, you know, hitting your door with an axe, then, you know, okay. Or if you actually get in a car accident, okay. A, a serious one. Um, but no, if you just see somebody and you don't recognize them, that is not a reason to call the cops. Right. I mean, we live in the middle of the city, and so there are people all the time around here. Mm-hmm. That are transient, or you know, maybe. Or last night there was an angry-looking guy banging on the garage door in the alley, and 
I did not call the cops because there was no need to. You don't call the cops. You don't bring the cops into your own neighborhood if you can help it. So what else happened in 2018? Is that it? Are we done? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not talking about, we're not going to talk about like individual small events. Although I do have a public health thing to get to in a minute. But um, what else do we want to talk about in the world of politics or current events or social justice or what have you? Ruth Bader Ginsburg has to still be alive. She is. She had some cancerous nodules removed and everybody lost their mind for a couple hours. And then it's like, no, she's actually still working and she's going to be fine. Now, she's a, she's 85, though. How mm-hmm. old is she? I mean, she's getting up there. And she's Roger, for fuck's sake. Things are happening and, and she's not going to live forever. And then these people, oh, well, Obama should have forced her out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Come on. Go fuck yourself. I mean, that's totally unrealistic by any metric. In the world. People are mad at her that she didn't resign while he was still president. But remember, 0% of any human beings thought that Trump was going to win this thing. Right? Well, so, it's so, so stupid also, it's not worth even getting smart into. And, like, she's fine. Like, I worked for an 85-year-old lawyer. Yeah. Much like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Worked out every day. Used to run five miles a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, 85 years old and he was perfectly capable of doing his job people kept saying why don't they force him to retire why don't they force him to retire and it's like I don't know because he's really good at his job and he's still one of the best in his field at 85 Yeah, it's ageist bullshit yes yes besides and it- sexist ageist bullshit for her McConnell used the excuse in Obama's last year to not confirm a new Supreme Court justice, who's to say mm-hmm. he wouldn't have in mm-hmm. his first few years. I mean, right. you know. But whatever. I'm not even going to. I'm just saying, I that. love her and she has to be alive still. Yeah. Well, she will be for the immediate foreseeable future, it seems we hope. like. We hope. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will literally burn the world down if that man gets to replace her. But. We talked about Kavanaugh. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about. Mueller. Kids in cages. We talked about the Parkland kids. We talked about the midterms, of course. Um, we talked about the year of the woman and what that means. Um, what what else? What else is important to talk about? I don't know, baby. I mean, it's... it's. I don't want to break down every bullshit thing that's happened. You know, the White House has a just revolving door. Mm-hmm. The biggest racist ever left the AG's office, which is good. Um, local politics treated us pretty well. Um, I guess from like a personal perspective, this year was fucking crazy, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, gosh, <laughs> we went through a lot. Surgery and muggings and moving and all kinds of things. Well, two new California, uh, Colorado reps are going to bring up a, I think, a Medicare for all bill in the yes. in the state house. Yes. Um, um, there's going to be a lot happening in Colorado. We're going to be a state to watch from a national level, and we'll uh, do a lot of that coverage because we've become such a blue state, and in a way that's not just like blue dog Democrats. And we, and we know a lot of people like, in the state house we now. Do. And the state senate, um, and in the governor's office, and um, 
yeah, it's it's not just blue like you would think of Colorado traditionally. The blue people were sort of, you know, the Steve Leb socks and the like John <laughs> oh, Hickenloopers and stuff, right? We have Jared Polis, first gay governor. Um, Super pot friendly yeah, governor. Uh, yes, he's in the pocket of oil and gas as every politician absolutely. is here. But but he's also definitely going to be like, oh, we're f- we're going to pay for abortions. Mm-hmm. We're going to literally the state's going to pay for abortions and you can smoke pot anywhere. And gay people should get I mean, it, it's not just blue. It's like bright fucking blue and so i think a lot of the laws that are going to get passed are going to be very very progressive and we're going to start looking a lot more like california um than like ohio because colorado's long been considered a swing state Mm -hmm. and no more um i think some of the first things out of the gate are going to be gun control um we're going to end conversion therapy I know that for a fact that that's a bill that's going to be brought up in the first week of yes. the House ending conversion therapy. It's ridiculous that it hasn't. And remember that yeah, Colorado but, Springs exists in Colorado, yeah, and so and Grand Junction. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Colorado Springs is the evangelical capital of the world. Yes, where Focus on the Family exists. They have their world headquarters there. It's it's more mega churches than any place on the planet. All the evangelicals basically like it's their, you know, homeland. Mm-hmm. Um. And so ending conversion therapy in Colorado may not seem like a big deal in Denver or Boulder, but it really does matter. Um, and and it's also just a, I think, important symbolically to say, like, you're not allowed to torture gay kids into yeah. being straight. Yeah. Radiolab's got a good series on that right now. Uh, Unerased. About, it's based on the yeah. movie Boy Erased. And they get into all the main characters and how that whole thing sort of yes. uh, unraveled and the, the sort of rise of conversion therapy is a big, big thing yeah. here in the country. Yeah. Uh, ironically, really started to get going by a openly gay guy who now lives as an openly gay guy with his husband and is and not, I wouldn't say unrepentant, but is in a lot of denial about the damage he has. The violence he has caused. Wrought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really so, good. It's actually it not from Radiolab. It's just uh, Chad Appenrod did a thing, but then Radiolab posted yeah. a thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's really good. It's really, really good. Also tonight, we're going to go see Vice. Yeah, we'll Dick give Cheney you the full movie. review on that Yes, next week. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's playing Dick Cheney? Uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale loves gaining or losing weight for roles. That's his thing. He really loves Christian Bale. He loves putting on a bunch of weight to play a fat guy or losing a bunch of weight to be emaciated. Like the machinist. Yeah. Uh, he put on a bunch of weight for American Gangster and he got really buff Christian for Batman. Christian Bale? That makes and, no sense. Uh, he's a good actor. He is. He's a good actor. I mean, I'd agree with that. And Steve, uh, Steve Carell plays Rumsfeld. Um, uh-huh. uh, what's the goofy his name? guy plays... G-Dub. Sam Rockwell yeah, plays yeah. Dubs. Which I think is kind of perfect. So uh, it should be interesting. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't want it to be too lighthearted because Dick not, Cheney caused a lot of yeah. blood and terror. Yep. And, it's a hor- like, let's, like, this is the one thing that, like, maybe makes me the most mad about uh, Trump's presidency is that we're all just, like, swooning over the bushes and, like, 
Fuck all of that. And all of the old, Fuck all, all of the of old that. Bush cronies that are now now hate Trump. And like, do you remember how fucking pissed off you were in two thousand four? Yeah. Do you yeah. remember how pissed you were for the entire eight years yeah. of that administration and for good fucking cause? Everybody loves David Frum now. Even though, yeah, I mean, c- it's come maddening. On. It is. You it, don't get to compare this, like, basically like banana republic despot. To the president who was an, the worst president, like the garbagest, worst, horrible, idiot, mm, evil, yeah, no. And be like, well, you know, <laughs> he had decorum. It's like, okay. That's one thing I thought of uh, the other day. Like, you're a big history nerd like me, but do you ever watch those History Channel documentaries where they're talking about the founding fathers or an old war or an old president? And they interview, like, former presidents, like Barack Obama sits down or Mm. Bill Clinton sits down Mm. or even GW sits down and does a decent enough job talking about history. And imagine like that with Trump. Imagine like a Thomas Jefferson documentary on the History Channel and Trump is like, uh, oh yeah, Thomas Jefferson. They're saying a lot of good things about him, and he was really great. He was really with the he greatest. He was just the greatest. <laughs> he was the best. I just think of that, and God. it's yeah. But anyway, I, I want to put on the last few minutes my public health hat for a minute. Yeah. So there's this publication I use the term loosely called the Federalist, and Ugh. it is a horrible, gross, super ultra right wing garbage. It's not like Infowars, right? But it's, it's like it's one step. The the grand it's the grandfather of Infowars, but it's from like the nineties. It's been around for a bit, but it's mostly actually really young writers because they work cheap. Probably Uh, nobody knows who funds it. Um, So the Koch brothers, probably. It could be the Koch brothers. It could be Russia. It could be neo Nazis. Like literally, the 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 source of their funding is completely opaque, and 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 nobody knows like who pulls those strings. But anyway, super super right wing. This very very young writer for The Federalist named Bree Payton, a young lady who's 26 years old, uh, a couple days ago got sick, came down with the flu, and today she's dead. Yeah. 26 years old, came down with the flu, and died a couple days later. And Dying of the flu in your mid-20s is almost unheard of. It is. It was H1N1. Oh, I had that. Yes. That's the swine flu. Which Rachel came down with once at the similar age. I was about 25. And you said it was the sickest you ever were in your life. I should have gone to the hospital. I should have been in the hospital the entire time. I had a fever of over 104 for five days. Mm. And I've never been that sick in my entire life. I had ice all over my body. Like I was like living in medieval times or something. It was so stupid that I didn't go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, I, I could have been her. I should have been dead. It was the worst flu ever and I didn't get a flu shot that year because I was stupid and in my 20s what happened with her was um, she uh, as a result of the uh, of the flu came down with meningitis secondarily yep um, which is a a potential complication there's many potential complications from the flu yep and she went into a coma and she died and she was 26 years old and otherwise from what I've read in perfect health right and so the moral of the story is twofold. The flu is fucking serious and it can be deadly. And number two, get your fucking flu shot. Now, the flu shot does not protect against all strains of flu, but H1N1 in particular, it does pretty well. Look, 
it's like saying it's like you can wear your seatbelt and in 0.01% of cases your seatbelt will kill you right right mm-hmm but in all other situations, it's definitely going to save your life. Yeah. So wear your fucking seatbelt. And I'm sorry if you're one of those 0.01% of people that died because they wore their seatbelt. Right. Sometimes shit happens. Yeah. But the flu is serious. Get and your fucking flu not shot. Not just additionally to like you might die. You also spread that shit around to people who are way more immunocompromised than you. Yes. You see your grandma at Christmas. You see your brand new baby nephew. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're carrying the flu around, that they that's deadly. Yeah. You're a murder weapon. So anyway, that that is a tragedy. I, I don't it is. necessarily care that she wrote for the Federalist or whatever. She was 26 years old and she's dead from the flu, which is just, horrifying. Just stupid and bad. And get your fucking flu shot. And don't tell me, well, I've never had the flu and I've never had a flu shot, so blah. Okay, so, well, I've never had the measles, right? Uh, doesn't, don't become well, an anti-vaxxer. don't get me started on the anti-vaxxers because they're Just get your fucking flu strong. shot. But uh, anyway, so that's how we'll end 2018, uh, fittingly. Get your flu shot. <laughs> Scolding you and telling you to get your flu shot. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it been in for 2018. Check out our Die Hard movie commentary on the website if you want to kill some time doing that. I am Travis. I'm Rachel. Happy New Year. We love you. We'll see you next year. Bye.